You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. This morning, that's good to see you. I know that I sound like I can't hear myself, but as long as, can you all hear me? Fine. Okay, no, then it's okay. As long as you can hear me, it's okay. Um, whether I can hear, well, okay, I just went live. Okay, good morning. Um, the key, uh, the key, the, if you want a title for this morning's message, you can title it Love, the Key to Perfection. Love, the Key to Perfection. So, love is a very, very powerful force. It can bring joy into your life. And we're going to look at all these in a moment. It can bring joy into your life. It can, cause, it can cause you to be healed. It will cause you to be noticed by and known to God. There's a scripture, I think it's in, it's either in Corinthians or Galatians. It says, those who, those who love or those who walk in love are known by God or known to God. And anyway, for me that just sounds, can you imagine? God takes special interest, special notice of such people. Love can cause things or doors to open up for you. Nothing can withstand the power of love. We know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, especially from verse 8. God's love is fierce. Um, it's, like a tidal, it's like a tidal wave, something that flows into you. It changes things. It tears up the atmosphere. For those of you who may know, I borrowed the last little bit from a song. Um, okay, you're looking at me blankly, so you obviously haven't heard the song. But if you go and, if you go and Google the last bit I just said, um, that love's like a tidal wave and love is like a hurricane. It, and then you'll, you'll find, okay, now some of you are waking up. Then you'll, you'll, find, you'll find those, <coughs> those words. Okay, so... As I said today, the heading of um, the, this morning's message is love, the key to perfection. What I'm going to do is, um, from one point of departure, I'm going to start at a scripture and then go from there. But hopefully everything that I, that I mentioned this morning is going to add into the title and is going to speak concerning the title and is going to um, amplify and enforce the title and obviously what I want to get across through it. Amen? Okay, so hopefully every point I make is going to drive the title home more and more. Okay, so let's start off <coughs> at Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. Colossians 3, 14. I want to use this as a point of departure. Um, yeah. I want to make a comment here and then just, I guess, um, please bear with me. I want to then assume that we're all on the same page from this point, and then I'm going to run and make some more points from there. Amen? Is that okay? Okay, well, I guess you'll agree or disagree based on what I say now. So, Colossians 3.14 says the following. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Above all these things, obviously, you know, all the things that I've mentioned before, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. The key to walking in sinless perfection is love. Let me, let me say that again. The key to walking in sinless perfection is love. If you really want to know, am I getting it right? 
Am I going the right direction? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Then you check your love walk. Am I walking in love? It sounds simplistic. Um, and hopefully, after I've unpacked a couple of things, it won't seem as simplistic anymore, and it will also seem like maybe we've got some things we've got to think about and we've got to sort of give some attention to. Because I think for all of us, myself included, love is something which is very basic, if I can, if, um, you know, Lord forgive me for using that word in line with love, but love is something that's very basic with regards to your Christian walk and with regards to um, your starting point and Jesus Christ being your Lord. I mean, it's one of the first things you learn, you understand, you see. Um, well, I guess, you know, as we, as we go through some of the points this morning, as we read more, maybe even study on this subject, I guess we'll see that maybe there's a bit more to be known than what we know already. But my, my point was that love is something that sort of comes into the beginning, you, you know about it, or you get told about it, or you think you have an understanding of it right at the beginning. So that's why I'm saying it is a bit of a basic concept. But what I want to share today is hopefully just to inspire you to go deeper, to press deeper, the fact that there's not only so much more, but there are a whole lot of benefits which go around you know, with it. And in God's eyes, if that's the main thing, what you're making your focus not only everything else that you trust him for is going to come, but a whole lot of other things, like what I mentioned in the beginning. Healing, joy, this powerful force which actually cannot be stopped, which will literally flow through you, through your environment, and which will open up doors and just cause things ahead of you to open. It, it, nothing can stand in its way. That's what I'm trusting God that, you know, we're going to just, it's just going to tweak in our understanding this morning. So that river, that force can start to flow in even a much, because I know it's flowing already because, you know, we're all sitting here, you know, so if you had hoppers five in the morning, there's definitely a certain aspect of that that already exists. But I want it to, to, to increase, to flow even more powerfully, even more strongly so that I can affect more in your lives. You can see the results more and even in the lives of those around you and even in your family. Amen? Because I believe there's no force stronger than love. Okay, point number one, love fulfills the law. All of the Old Testament laws were fulfilled by love. <clears throat> From a New Testament point of view, the New Testament law, if we can say there is such a thing, is also fulfilled by love. In other words, the main thing there being loving people. So the crucial aspect in the New Testament with regards to New Testament operation, how we expect it to live, how we're supposed to live, and what God expects of us is love. Amen? Okay. I already mentioned it. This is what God expects of us. There's a scripture in Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Um, very interesting scripture. And it says, Owe no man anything except to love one another. Owe no man anything except to love one another. You know what that means? Well, let me, let me be as bold as to say I can think of one thing that it means. There are probably a thousand more because you can pre preach a thousand scriptures on the same verse. But what I believe that it means, one of the aspects, one of the meanings of it, is that God expects us, how did I put it down here? Um, in God's eyes, we owe this to people. Owe no man anything. And obviously, there's been a lot of 
Um, there's been a lot of things preached on this particular scripture, but I want to focus on the owing part and the love aspect. So owe no man anything except to love one. That's what you should owe people. In fact, in God's eyes, that's what we owe people. We owe them that. It's, it's, a, it's a debt we need to be paying off every single day. In every word we speak, every thought we have, our heart condition, it's actually owed to people. Why? Because God's put it inside us. It's placed inside us. We have it. We carry it. And therefore, in His eyes, it's like, you've got it. It's done. It's been activated. So therefore, you owe it to people. We are God's conduit to love people here on this earth. There's no other way that they can see it tangibly except by us. And we're the, I guess we're God's touch point, you can even say. So every time we touch somebody's life, that's God flowing through us to affect that person's life. Amen? Okay, so going back to Galatians 5.14, I know I didn't mention it, but I'm mentioning it now. So this is, this is the first point. Galatians 5.14, just go there quickly. I'm going to read, it, read that scripture. This is what it says. <clears throat> For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. As I said, this is what God expects of us. In other words... If you're walking in love, you're getting it right. If you really want to know, am I getting it right? Am I going in the right direction? Check your love walk. Am I walking in love? And as I keep mentioning, hopefully as we go through what I'm going to mention this morning, not only is it going to become practical, but you'll be able to see some areas that you can at least think about and that you can consider so that it's not just, okay, let me check my love walk. Do I have a, do I have a nice heart? You know, is, you know, it's a bit more than having a happy heart. You know, you're going through the day and your heart is just happy. It's bigger than that. It's more than that. It's literally something you can use to, to break down walls and affect the lives of people on a daily basis. Every person you come into contact with, every encounter, every word you speak into someone's life, every connection you have, if love is flowing in the way that it can flow, literally, that person's life will never, never be the same. Amen. They can have one encounter with you, one encounter, and if love is flowing as it should, their life will never be the same. It can be brief, but their life won't be the same. They will remember you for the rest of their lives. And that's what I want us to, to experience. That's what I want us to see. Amen? On a daily basis. I believe we can have that on a daily basis. In every encounter, in every engagement, in every situation, the force of love flowing through us and affecting every life, every person, every situation, every discussion. For me, it's much more than what I started off believing, you know, when I, was, when I got born again for the first time. It's much more than that. It's a powerful force which I believe can affect everyone around us in, an, in a way that will change and transform them. Amen? Okay. So, first point, as I said, love fulfills the law. As far as I'm concerned, the New Testament law, what God expects of us, what Christ expects of us, is also fulfilled in this one word, and that one word is love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And even you'll see in a moment, I think we'll go there as well, how Jesus even upgrades this verse a little bit. But, you know, we'll get there. So let's go to, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. That's my next point. I want to make a point here before we, before we move on. <clears throat> 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, it reads as follows. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, let's go to 16, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. At the eyes of your understanding, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know um, the hope, etc., etc. Just go back to go back to fifteen and sixteen quickly. So, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, most of us know that what we have recorded from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 19, and then again in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 19, are what's known as um, two, or, or even just two, of Paul's two apostolic prayers. Okay, so if you didn't know that, now you know. That's what they're called. They're called Paul's two apostolic prayers. So these are probably two of the most powerful prayers recorded in Scripture. So I'm sure there were a lot of other things he used to pray for believers and brethren and you know, his family and whatever. But these two, Ephesians chapter 1, 17 to 19, and Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 19, if you go and read them, they're probably two of the most powerful prayers you will come across. That's why it's so imp- Well, that's why it adds value if you're praying these prayers on a daily basis, praying them for yourself. And you can even, what you can do is you can replace yourself or I where it says, where it says you in each one of those prayers. So where he's praying for um, the church in Ephesus, the Ephesian church, and he talks about uh, you this and you that. You can put I in there when you pray it. So you place yourself in there and pray that for yourself. It's very, very powerful. Um, Pastor Eric's mentioned it, I don't know how many times. It could be, I, I don't know, he's mentioned it a lot. But the importance of it the fact that you should be praying it, and the fact that you can pray it on a daily basis. But all of that, I've just said now, is a foundation to say, look at what, look at verse 15 closely and see what is the, what is the launch pad for both of these prayers. What is the reason why he prayed these prayers for the church in Ephesus? What is the reason why probably one of the most powerful or two of the most powerful prayers in the New Testament were prayed for this church? And the reason is very clear. Verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. That was it. There was a, there was a way that they, they engaged. There was a kind of faith they had toward God, toward the Lord Jesus Christ. So they had faith. They walked in faith. And number two, there was a kind of love that they had for the saints, the brethren, you know, fellow believers. There was a way that they loved them, an attitude they had towards them. And Paul knew that. And because of that love, because of the way they loved, that's what caused, as I can, if I can, because you look at the other, even look in Philippians, and you don't see the same prayer prayed for the Philippian church. He possibly did, but he commends them on, wow, our communion was so great, you know, therefore I pray for you, one, two, three, four. But what it says here is because you love the brethren, because you love them so much, you love them in a way which probably stood out, which was unique. Because of that, this prayer was an overflow, was an outflow of that. So let me, let me make this clear. 
two of the most important apostolic prayers of the Bible were prayed for a group of churches or prayed for a church that had a strong, that manifested a strong love for those around them, for their brethren and those around them. I hope that gets your attention. If that doesn't get your attention, then I don't know what's going to. But that's what I want you to see. Now, the interesting thing is, just on a side point, if you look in the book of Colossians and you look in the book of Philemon, you see the same principle, the same pattern. You read the book of Colossians, and it says exactly the same. Don't have to go there, chapter 1, but it says exactly the same thing about your love, um, your faithful Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints. And then the prayer that's in the book of Colossians at the beginning, which he prays from, is very similar to if you take the Ephesians chapter 1 prayer and the Ephesians chapter 3 prayer, and you put them together, you'll see... You'll see um, themes or, or, or similarities between the two in that particular prayer. And again, you'll see the same foundation. Faith you had for Jesus and the love you had for the brethren. And again, he says that to Philemon when he writes the letter to him. He says, listen, we love you, dear brother. You've encouraged us, etc., etc. But um, what stands out for us about you is, again, your faith for the Lord Jesus and your love for the brethren, your love for the saints. So I'm sure this prayer is something that was pray that Paul used to pray for Philemon as well. All I'm saying is, it's clear that love is critical, love is important, and it's probably clear that we should at least do a check and say, "Listen, is love operating my life in the way it can?" Is it, is it at its perfect level? Is there more? Is there more that it can flow? Is there more that it can work out? Is there more that people can see? Is there more that God can flow through me? Because if there is, there's more benefit. And there's more you will see and there's more you will experience. This moved the heart of the apostle. And we would hope that he was close to God. So obviously that would, you know, it moved his heart. And we can see that it would, therefore it would move God's heart as well. We apply that in our lives the way that, you know, what Paul noticed. And as I say, God takes note of such things. Let's go to John chapter 15, verse 9 to 12. I'm going to have a look there quickly. <clears throat> this is how it reads. John 15, 9 to 12. <clears throat> as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I don't know about the rest of you, but if I, I actually... The reason my hands have been comfortably in my pocket is because I, they sort of feel like they're about to fall off. Um, but obviously the rest of you are fine because you're not looking at me in the front. I know, that, I know that the people in the back section are fine. That, that much I know. Um, I can see they've got, some, they've got some additional resources which they are tapping into. And they, are, they don't have to believe God for them. They are right there. And they are experiencing them. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. I want to pick out a couple of things. So let's start back at verse 9. Let's start back at verse 9. As the Father loved me, <coughs> excuse me, 
I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and your joy will be full. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I want you to see the, the first thing here, and it's quite obvious, but I want to highlight it. It says in verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. Okay, so to, the word abide means to remain or to stay. So remain in my love. And then verse 10 gives us a bit of insight. It says, or opens it up a bit. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will, ab- you will abide in my love. So the key to abiding in the love of God is obviously keeping, keeping his commandments. And then it says, just as Jesus kept the Father's commandments, um, therefore he abides in his love. Now verse 11 says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, then verse 12 goes back there. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And then what he does in verse 12 is he highlights, this is my main commandment. Or in other words, as far as I'm concerned, this is the most important thing. If you love one another as I have loved you, you will remain in my love. If you want the key to remaining in the love of God, love one another. Love the brethren. Have the attitude, the kind of attitude towards them that you need to have. If you do that, you remain in the love of God. If you want to know how to remain in the love of God, that's the key. Okay, one more thing let me show you. Um, It's interesting, so from verse 10 again, it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. The more love you have, the more joy you have. The more love there is, the more joy there is. So what does he say there? Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, why? That my joy may remain in you. In other words, if you do what you're supposed to, if you remain in my love, my joy will be in you. You will have my joy inside you. And if you have my joy inside you, what it's going to do is your joy will be full. So in other words, my joy will fill up your joy to a point of it being maximally full, and therefore that joy then you're going to feel inside you, and you're going to have that as you go throughout the day. Does that make sense? Well, whether it makes sense or not, let me say it like this. The key to having joy is walking in love. It's that simple. The more you apply love, the more you walk in love, the more you allow love to flow through you, and the more you love those around you, especially those who are of the same household of God, which is often the most challenging thing. I think that's probably why Jesus... That, think about it. I mean, you see all the times he kept focusing on this. He, he, I don't think there's maybe one time when, when we told to love the world, but I mean, other than that, it's all about loving the brethren. The challenge is because it's probably not that easy to always to love the brethren. The brethren is like your family, you know, the people that annoy you and, you know, and just frustrate you the most. Amen? Okay, you're not lying. I don't know why you don't say amen. Because you are, you are just, you're just looking holy. I'm not sure what you're doing, but I know it's the same for all of us. 
Because it keeps being written, it keeps being said, love the brethren, love your brother, love those. And the thing is, it, if it only needed to be said once, it would only be said once. But the mere fact that it's said more than once in multiple letters probably means that you know, it needs to be highlighted for a certain reason. I, can't, I, I, always, I always laugh, kind of thinking back to what Pastor Eric said. Um, I mentioned the same thing at, at Campus Church, I think the, the day or the week before, about Peter. And it said, Lord, how many times? You know, must I, must I forgive my brother? And he wasn't. Actually, maybe, Pastor Ocean, maybe it was you that mentioned it. I can't remember. It was either Pastor. Was it? Okay. I remember it was one of, the, one of the two of you. But anyway, so the reality is this because there was something going on. There was something happening. You don't ask that kind of question if things are fine. Just, you know, by the way, he suddenly thought, ah, oh, you know, here's a nice one. Let me throw this at Jesus and see what he says. No, no. There was something he was coming out of. I've gone as far as I can. And if I stand there any longer, someone's going to depart prematurely. You know, to, he's going he's to get there ahead of time. And it's not going to be me. So, and that Peter experienced it then. And we experienced that on a continual basis, I think. You know, as we, as we operate in the body, just like your, your home family, as you operate in your home family, there are challenges. And those are the people you need to love. Those are the people you need to make an, an extra effort often to love. And once you're doing that, to, to, the love to then flow out to the rest of the world is then a natural outflow. If you can get it right in your, in your um, biological family, you can get it right in your spiritual family, as I say, which are very, very similar. If you can get it right there... Loving those who are not saved and loving everyone else is really not difficult. That's why it keeps emphasizing it. That's the key. Make, inf, continuously trying to make this effort and seeing, is love throwing, flowing? Am I fl loving those around me? If you're continuously doing that and that love is continuing to flow, the joy will continue to increase, will continue to fill up, and will continue to be there. Amen? And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. By the way. Okay. <clears throat> so, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. And that your joy, <clears throat> excuse me, may be full. So, this is the key. This is the commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Love the brethren. Love those around you. If you look at verse 13. Um, so in verse 13, uh, chapter 13, John chapter 13, verse 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another, that you have love, that you love, so let me read that, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. My thoughts are that, okay, number one, it says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. In other words, the, the, the standard has now been upgraded. It's not love your neighbor as yourself anymore because, you know, sometimes if you have an issue with yourself, maybe you're going to, you know, drive over your neighbor if they stand in your way when you're leaving for, I don't know, for work or in the afternoon. It says, love one another as I have loved you. In other words, it doesn't depend on you. It, it doesn't matter what's going on inside you, inside your head, inside your heart, inside your space. There's a standard. So you're not measuring your love for others against yourself anymore or against how you feel. You're measuring it against what Jesus set forth in the Gospels and in his life. The standard just got a whole lot higher. 
So it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter if you're having a good day. It doesn't matter if you're having a bad day. The standard now is how Jesus treated people. That's the standard. And the exciting thing is, if he says that, it means you're able to do it no matter what may be going on inside, no matter what challenges you're having, no matter what you think you might be going through. You're still able to do this. That's why there's no other... You know, there's nothing, there's no sort of footnote, there's nothing else around you. It's just said like that simply. Because no matter what capacity, no matter where you are, you are able to do this. Amen? So that's also, I think, one of the reasons why it says a new commandment. Because it hadn't been given before. You know, it was love your neighbors, you love yourself. That was the commandment before. But now, Jesus has come. Jesus was never there before, number one. And he never had, he could never be a benchmark until this point, because he hadn't been around. So that's why it says a new commandment, because it's, as it says, adjusted, it's upgraded the, the existing commandment. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And also, as I say, he's upgraded it. So it's not just um, love your neighbor as yourself, but love one another, um, and obviously those around you, as I have loved you. That's the upgrade. That's why it's a new commandment. That's why it's a change. So let's quickly go. I just want to round this up with one practical um, example. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By the way, I don't believe that it's coincidental that this verse is um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It's obviously the, the breaking down into verses and chapters came much later than when this was written. But as I say, I still don't think there's any coincidence that this is... Um, 3 verse 16. I'm sure you all know that there's another 3 verse 16. So, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. He said an example. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That is our standard, that is our daily standard, that is our example, and that's how we're supposed to operate. Being willing, happy to, and if necessary, actually doing so, laying down our lives for the brethren. And the brethren are, is the person in the blue seat next to you. And the person who you will see in the other blue seat when you come on Sunday, that is, or the connect group person on a, on a whenever evening, that is the brethren. So what does this mean? There's obviously a practical aspect, you know, if you practically have to lay down your life. But more than that, it's a mindset. It's an attitude. It's a, it's a viewpoint. It's, it's a mindset and a heart condition of laying down your life for your fellow brother or sister, even if they've only been saved for three days. I think we know, we know what goes with, you know, being saved for three days. There's, you know, there's, there's some things, some victorious weekends. You know, there are things that need to still, you know, take place if it's only been three days. So what it's saying is an attitude and it's a heart condition. Laying, being willing to lay down your life for, those, for the brethren around you. You know what? It sounds challenging. But the thing is, I believe with my heart, it, it, with everything that I... If we start to do this, and if we do this, you're going to see the love of God flow through you in a way that you have never seen before. 
you will see the power of God, you will see joy, you will see peace, you will see, because obviously the love of God, that's the, that's the center, that's the core of God. If that starts to flow through, everything else comes with that. You will see energy, you will see strength. We just spoke about that. You'll even see strength and the ability to keep going and doing more. Supernatural strength like you have never seen before. They sometimes say that, you know, the, in the kingdom, the way, the, way, what is, the way up is down. Amen? And that kind of seems a bit like this, you know, laying down your life. There's, there's an attitude you've got to have. There's a way you've got to be almost, you know, serving, laying down your life towards people. And if you do that, there will be a raising up. There will be a lifting up. There will be a, a, a miraculous set of operations that you have never seen before. I believe there's nothing that can stop the flow of the love of God. There's nothing more powerful than that. Amen? Okay. But we know this. But by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So, in other words, very quickly, that I said it was a mindset. I said it was an attitude. Um, I guess one of the practical ways to look at that is what, do, what does that person need? How can I assist them? What does that person need, or what do they need, or how can I assist them? That's the constant thing going through your head, looking at your brethren around you, the people, as I say, the blue chair people, looking at them around you. What do they need? How can I assist them? On a daily basis, whenever we engage, whenever we interact, whenever we come together, and you pick things, you see challenges, you see things in people's lives, the brethren around you, how can I help them? What do they need? And you're not even necessarily going up to them and asking them. God will make you aware of certain things. Amen? Sometimes you can just see. I mean, you guys all know this. Sometimes you can just see when someone's having a bad day. You know, someone, sometimes you can see when someone's going through a hard time. You know, sometimes you can just see they're not themselves. What's wrong? How are you doing? You know, what's up? Every time you do that, God is taking notice. Heaven is stopping and heaven is noticing. It's because it says those who walk in love are known by God. That's what the Bible says. They are known. So every time you do that, you step out of your comfort zone, you go the extra mile, you do what maybe you don't feel inclined to do. When you do that, heaven notices. When you do that, you're walking in God's commandments, the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're aligning how you're supposed to. What do they need or what do you need? How can I assist them? What do they need? How can I assist them? Constantly keeping that in your heart when you're in the midst of the brethren, when you're around them. or Even if you're by yourself and, you know, whatever, you're not at church and you're at home and just you have a thought or you have an idea. This is the attitude we need to have. And if we have this, I believe our church will be different. Our families will be different. Our personal lives will be different because of what we're going to see. Everything is just going to be different. And if we're talking about heaven on earth, if you think, you know, that's one of the keys to seeing heaven, the days of heavens on the earth. Because think about it. If heaven is the, the headquarters of God, where do you think the most perfect love is that you'll find? Or what do, you think, what do you think the atmosphere is that prevails in heaven? Obviously love. So if we want to see that, love is a big factor and a big part of what we've got to be, I guess, serious about and make sure we implement Amen. So, the, so I said, what, what do they need? How can we assist them? That, there's also a serving aspect of that, seeing how you can serve your fellow brothers and sisters. 
obviously, whether they're having a good day or whether they're having a bad day does not affect do I serve them or do I help them or what do they need. Okay, let's move from here very quickly. I just want to give you maybe one or two more practical things. One, here's one practical thing with regards to love. So Philippians chapter 1 verse 9. Let's go look there quickly. This is what it says. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 reads as follows. Remember, I mentioned that you know Paul was praying here for the Philippians, and you can go and have a look in the beginning of the, of the chapter, further to the beginning, as to what his context was and what really stood out for him about them. But verse 9 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. This is just something practical we can apply on a daily basis. So, that your love would abound or would increase or would grow in knowledge and in all discernment. That's what he was praying for them. So something we can pray for ourselves and something you know, that you know, we need God to do in our lives is our love would grow in knowledge and our love would grow in discernment. So what does that mean? Knowledge on how to love, how to apply love, how to walk out love. Number one, that's knowledge. Also, knowledge about like practical knowledge which applies to love. So in other words, knowing and understanding what people are like. So, you know, there's practical knowledge which you glean over time, and then what you do is you'll take that, and then when you see certain situations, you'll use that as a filter to judge how you're going to respond to situations. Remember Pastor Eric mentioned a while ago, he was talking about children, and he was saying that um, we need to be innocent like children, you know, to enter the kingdom of God and to really receive the things of the kingdom. We need to be like, uh, like children. We need to be like a child. The things of the kingdom belong to children. But now he made a comment and he said, the innocence of children but not the naivety of children. Amen. So we're supposed to be innocent but not naive because children don't know any better. I mean, they'll, you know, someone, you know, we'll stand here and this person will look very, very dodgy. And the child will just be, you know, ah, and just happily be walking after the person. That's naivety. So when it comes to love, we've also got to grow in knowledge so that we know what to apply, when to apply it. Let me see what I... So what did I write here? So in other words, knowing, for example, generally that people are like 1, 2, 3, X, Y, Z. Okay? And so if, if you know that people are generally or can be like 1, 2, 3, then when you see that characteristic flowing out or expressing or manifesting in people, then there's a, you don't give yourself completely to them. Does that make sense? You, you know, there's a, there's a way you'll still love them, but you're not going to give yourself entirely to them because you're ah, you only one, two, three. And you know that that one, two, three will end up with four, five, six, and four, five, six will be a problem for you. So when you see that, you go, okay, you know, this is how I'm going to react to them. You still bless them. Your heart isn't negative, but you wouldn't give yourself completely to them. The word discernment means, if, we look at, if, you, if you look in the, the, the YLT, Young's Literal Translation, it translates um, discernment as judgment. And, and if, you look at, if you look at the just a general um, dictionary translation of the word, discernment means the ability to judge well. So in other words, when we grow in discernment, Discernment will help us to judge or discern or be able to pick 
or interpret or understand or see beyond the surface people's motives and intentions. That's, you know, someone may look, you know, I mean, we're human beings, so we've been here for long enough. You know, people look nice on the outside, but it doesn't mean that it's okay on the inside. Does that make sense? You know, so it doesn't mean that we don't love them, but now there's just a way so that we'll then engage with them. I think, you know, there was probably a way that Jesus engaged with Judas, and maybe that was different to how he engaged with, you know, Peter and John, for example, on certain things. Not on everything, because he loved all of them, he spent time with them, he commissioned them, he sent them out, he, he brought them all into his inner confidence, but there was still, there would have been a slight difference. So let me say it like this. Jesus loved everyone, but Jesus didn't necessarily trust everyone. I mean, I think that goes without saying. And so the same is, the same is for us. If we're able to then discern, judge, see past the surface, people's motives, intentions, heart conditions, that can help us to be more accurate, how to respond to them. What do we give to them? What do we keep back from them? You know, how do we interact with them? You know, do we just, you know, like just give yourself and everything about yourself to that person? Or are there certain things you give? You know, do you put them in charge of all of your finances? Or, you know, do you not? Amen? Because you're able to discern. You're able to pick certain things. So that's something that's helpful. It's helpful for us to grow in. It's good for God to, to do that in our lives, to help us grow in knowledge and all discernment. <coughs> Okay, I think this is the second, second to last point. Um, as I said in the beginning, love is a very, very, very... Good morning. <clears throat> it's time for breakfast. Love is a very... And, yeah, time for that other breakfast. Love is a very, very, very powerful force. So, what I mentioned earlier... Well, let me say it like this. Every day, we should be seeing how the love of God can flow through us. That's what we should be doing. Lord, let your love flow through me today. That should be our prayer, you know, when we wake up every morning throughout the day. Let your love flow through me like a conduit. May I be an open conduit today for your love to flow through. Um, I mentioned in the beginning, I've touched on the joy aspect. Um, maybe we've touched a little bit about the, the open door aspect, but I mean, you can, you can get it from what I'm saying. But just with regards to healing, um, it was very interesting because I know how I know how I felt. Just this is by the way, just when we're talking about love being a very, very powerful force. I know how I felt yesterday in the morning and then still yesterday afternoon. It did, like to say it wasn't great is an understatement. And I know we all know our bodies, so you know when you get to a certain point, you know what then comes after that. You know, even if you, no matter what you do, you know, often know what, what, what the next stage is. You know, when it gets to a certain stage, if it's stage four or stage five, whatever it is for you, you know, where, you know what stage six then automatically ends up being. And so I was there, I was there yesterday. Um, and I really wasn't feeling, I mean, everywhere, nose, throat, I don't know, everything, just not great. And what I was doing was, this is when I started to, uh, I was doing a bit more, you know, prep for today and everything. And I was doing a bit more. And the interesting thing is I found um, after every time, because I, I did it yesterday afternoon and yesterday evening, both times after I'd come away from doing some prep for this sermon on love, I actually, my body actually felt better. I know where I should be today. I know how I felt. And as I said, I know what the next stage is after how I was feeling yesterday. My body felt better every time. 
it was feeling better and better last night as it was getting later and later. Now, we all know what's supposed to happen if your body is not okay. I mean, as it gets later and later, it doesn't, go, it doesn't get better. It goes downhill. It goes backwards. Amen? All I'm trying, and I know how much, you know how much I did or maybe didn't sleep last night. That also doesn't help. You know, if the doctor's telling you get better, there's certain things you need to do. And, you know, and positively being up for a large portion of you know, the dark time outside is not one of them. All I'm trying to say is I'm bringing up the fact again that if you allow God to flow through you as, you're con- as a conduit, conduit, if you really apply this on a daily basis, you go the extra mile with regards to loving the brethren, loving those around you, really making an effort, aligning with what I believe Scripture says, and using some of the principles maybe I've dropped, although there are a lot more, as to how we walk this out on a daily basis. I believe this force is going to flow through you in a way you haven't seen before, and there are going to be benefits, incredible benefits that you have never seen before. Amen? It's sitting just there, I believe. All we've got to do is step into it, even if you don't feel like anything is going to come. If I can say, you know, let me not say test me on this because I'm not the Lord, but test, test this, test what I'm saying this morning. Try it, run with it, and then we compare notes. Amen? Okay, so <clears throat> as I say, every day you should be waking up, Lord, flow through me. Let me be a conduit. What love can also do is love can break walls and break down walls in people's lives. As you love people, as you bless people, as you engage with people, resistance, opposition, hardness of heart, all of those things fade away, flood away, fall down, are removed. Amen? Okay. I think this is, yeah, last point. Love brings about miracles. Love brings about miracles. The reason why I say that If, for example, we use something like John 3.16, okay, we all know it. It's, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What Jesus did on the cross was brought about a miracle for mankind. Amen? What Jesus did on the cross we needed a miracle. A miracle is a supernatural intervention which the natural, you know, can't reflect or can't do. We needed something like that because of where we were in our situation we were in. That happened. Jesus died and that brought about a miracle. But let's take a step back. What was, why was that done? Where did it start from? Where did it flow from? It came from love. Love brings about miracles. I believe if you want to see the miraculous, this is a very important key. As I said, if love is this fierce, powerful, unquenching, unstoppable force which is able to flow, um, and that start, imagine if that starts to flow through you. If that starts to flow through you, miracles and the supernatural is only just one thing which you're going to start seeing manifesting. Amen? Okay. I think let me close with this very quickly. If you look at Acts chapter 7, um, I'll tell you which verse right now. Acts chapter 7 verse, read from verse 56 downwards. Um, actually read from verse 50, 54 is where it starts. Steve, um, Stephen, the first martyr recorded in the Bible, first Christian martyr, is addressing the Jewish ruling council. 
And um, he says they cut, to the, they cut to the heart, you know, gnashed him with their teeth, then they're running at him to drag him out. Verse 55, he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they stoned him. All I'm saying is, in, yeah, I believe most of the time in Scripture, we see Jesus being recorded as seated at the right hand of God. In this situation, I believe because of Stephen's conduct, because of how he was, he was living, because of what he was doing, and even because of what happened a couple of verses later, Jesus stood up in recognition, in honor, in, you know what, this, this stands out. This behavior, the way that he's able to forgive and bless, this stands out. So what I'm going to do, you know, is I, the only thing I can do is stand up and have a look and see, wow, that is amazing. As we go about this and we apply love on a daily basis, as we apply love on a daily basis, so heaven takes notice, heaven sees, and heaven responds. I want heaven to respond to every one of our lives, not only on a daily basis, but throughout the day. Whenever there's an interaction, wherever there's an engagement with a person or with people or with situations, I believe it is inside you. It's sitting there. It's able to, to flow. Let's allow it to flow. Let's start seeing how we can align as best we can. And let's let the power, the love of God flow through us, affect the world around us, and inherently even change our lives. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's stand up. We're going to pray. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.